to you. Um, let's uh, uh, let's uh, just uh, bring our attention to a couple of real quick things um, before we move on and seeing uh, some more. Um, don't forget that this coming Saturday we are doing we are having uh, two brothers that are going to be ordained as deacons. Uh, Brother Andrew Crisp and Brother Nathan Deaton. And so this is a, it's a wonderful opportunity uh, for us as a church. It's a blessing. It's a grace to us, given to us as a church, that we're able to ordain these two brothers uh, to the, to the uh, work of, of uh, the, the diaconate. And so we praise God for that. So just be aware of that. Uh, there will be a meal afterwards. Um, but if you are able to make it or um, the other churches have been invited, several other churches have been invited. So um, we'll uh, I don't know. I've had nobody tell me how many are coming. So we'll we'll uh, we'll just plan and, and pray that uh, that the Lord uh, will be glorified in our service. And so Brother Ron will be bringing our, our sermon. And so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then. Also, the other thing, uh, everything else is in the, uh, the bulletin, so just, just say, look at that. The only thing is, if um, any information is changed in our church directory, please make sure it's in, the, it's in the foyer and in the back hallway. Make sure you fill out a new slip of paper and just to, to, fill, that, uh, to fill that out, and so that way the changes can be made to the, um, to the directory, okay? Um, other than that, I know we have our pray and uh, praying for our um, our family members, our friends, those who don't know Christ. Obviously, we want them to come to know Christ, and so we want to pray for for them, pray for uh, pray for us as we have opportunity to share the gospel. Also, we want to pray for our homebound, our ill, our bereaved, and and all of those that are um, currently um, under under the weather. So, uh, let's pray together as we go to, uh, and as we go to the Lord in word of prayer. Let's uh, let's remember. His goodness and grace to us. Father, we are thankful for all that you have done um, in Christ. God, it is beyond our understanding. It is beyond our ability to comprehend your great grace and love that you have loved us with in Christ. Our prayer now, help us, empower us to comprehend with all the saints, as Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height of the love of God for us in Christ. Um, our prayer is that you would help us to extend that love to one another and that grace to one another. May we, may we honor you and glorify you in all ways, giving us uh, opportunities to share the gospel, giving us opportunities to proclaim Christ, um, giving us opportunities to share of your grace in our lives. And so, Father, we, uh, we ask now your blessings on the remaining of part of our service. Help us, empower us, we pray, by your Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to uh, what's now become a very uh, familiar passage, perhaps, to you, but in Ephesians chapter 5, please. And while you're doing that, let me, uh, let me just uh, make, uh, make clear uh, the uh, uh, the ordination council that happens at four thirty this coming Saturday is for uh, is for pastors. Um, the ordination council will be for pastors and so uh, ordained men. Uh, so um, just uh, just want to make you uh, aware of that. So um, we uh, we will uh, that's that's who will be here at four thirty, um, and then the service will follow afterwards at, uh, at, at 6. So just, just to make you aware of that, just want to clarify that for you. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 5, we'll pick it up actually in verse 15, and we're going to go through verse 4, Acts chapter 5, verse 15, uh, going through chapter 6 and verse 4. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, through Ephesians 6, verse 4. So if you found that place and you're physically able to do so, do let me invite you to stand with me one more time as we honor the ring of God's holy and written word. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15, hear the word of the Lord given to us this evening. See then that you walk circumspectly, or carefully, or wisely, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, be, uh, wherefore, be you wise, uh, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their own wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this is your word that you've given to us. Help us now to think deeply about your truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I have seen several beautiful places. I don't know about you. I don't know everywhere you've been. I haven't seen places like the Grand Canyon or, or other places, but I have seen my fair share of beautiful things. I, uh, I, I can, uh, you know, every, every night, uh, I think I, I shared with you that I, I still continue, even as a, as, a, as a 44-year-old man, have a profound fascination with the stars. Uh, I love going out and just looking at the stars and the beauty of the stars that you can see is just astounding as you sit and take it in and breathe it in. I think if, if our hearts and minds are correct, I think we really do have to say in those moments when we're beholding something bigger than ourselves, whether it's the stars or the Grand Canyon or, or it, it, Pike's Peak or, or anything else that we, we maybe have laid our eyes on, that we really do have to stand in awe and in wonder of the beauty of which God has blessed us to behold because ultimately that beauty points us to one who is greater than us, to Christ and to the Father, to the, to the Spirit, to our triune and sovereign God. And I would say this though, with all of the beauty that's out there, with all of the, 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 the nature uh, that, you, that you can behold and the walking trails, if you, maybe you've hiked the Appalachian Trail or, or anything else that you can say, I don't believe there is anything more beautiful than a godly 
woman. I don't believe there is anything more beautiful than a godly woman. I think it's important for us to understand that whether we're talking about just a godly woman in general or we're talking about godly wives and mothers, um, we need to, I think, understand the encouragement that God gives to, to, each, to each woman here who claims the name of Christ and, to our, and us as husbands or sons and daughters and whatever the case may be, we need to understand that we need to encourage our wives and to encourage our mothers, to encourage women in our congregation, just in general, to, to, to surround and saturate their lives with the Word of God, to surround and saturate their hearts with the Word of God, to surround and saturate their families and their, their thought lives, because there is so much out there that vies for the hearts and the intentions of not just men, but women as well. So many lies, so many counterfeit things that the world tells you that you need. And so what I want to do is from our text, I just want to encourage you tonight, ladies, um, as you are seeking to be faithful to Christ, as you're seeking to honor Christ, I, I want to show you how, how you can how you can so order your lives that it glorifies God. And again, and this, this applies to, to, to women in general, uh, though I'll certainly have some application for wives and mothers as well. But, ladies, set your hearts upon Christ. Set your lives upon Christ. Love Christ. And let me show you, I think, Paul's encouragement to the women at Ephesus and the church at Ephesus. I want to show you the first encouragement that he gives to the ladies, to the, to the godly women. And maybe you said, well, why did you start back in verse 15? Well, again, you have to remember that the first, the first four chapters, the first, uh, uh, the, first, the first half of the book is all about doctrinal positions. The entire thing is doctrinally driven by Paul. And then he begins to shift and he begins to say, okay, so in light of the doctrinal truths we have just learned together, I have just said before you, here is the reality of how you need to live. And part of how we need to live is that whether we are men or women, we are told that the that we are told that that we should be men and women who walk wisely in everything we do and say. And so, ladies, let, let me let me encourage you first and foremost to say this in verses fifteen and twenty-one. I think we find our first encouragement, and that's simply this: walk with Christ. Walk with Christ. And I think within saying that, right, it's, it's easy to say, oh, you know, walk with Christ. But, but in saying walk with Christ, I think he does give us some very clear uh, encouragements to you ladies uh, in walking with Christ, as he does for us men, but, but specifically applying it to, to, to the women here tonight. But it says to live circumspectly, to live careful lifestyles, to live wisely. Because I don't think we have to look too far in the world to see that our world is filled with all sorts of foolish things and even foolish people who are living for things that are going to just, that, that's going to be gone. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it may fill our lives or our hearts for a moment, but in the end, when everything is said and done, as the old saying goes, everything goes into the box. At the very end of life, everything goes into the box. 
And our world is filled with so many people who are competing for so many different things. And all of them seem to matter. But in the scope of eternity, what really matters is that as a woman of God, you are seeking to live your life set upon you, with your affection set upon Christ, honoring Christ, living for the glory of God, being satisfied in Christ, living your lifestyle so that it points others to Christ. Yes, you're, yes I mean, uh, wives, moms, I mean, certainly families and, and whatnot, but not just them. Not just your children, not just your, not just your husband, certainly they, they are included if you have those things, but, but even just as general, as we live as citizens of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Christ, we are called to live lifestyles that promote holiness and honor and integrity, that, that are lifestyles that are filled with wisdom. In other words, living for what matters, living our lives for the things that matter. Ladies, do not ever let the world tell you the things that matter because they don't know. Now, they think they know, and they'll tell you a great many things. But the reality is, is they don't know what matters in the long run. Christ has told you what matters. Living a godly and glorious lifestyle is a beautiful adornment of the gospel that you can live in your lives and I would say that Paul even adds, we're talking about and walking through the walking with, walking with Christ, walking with God, I, I would say that he also here in verse 16 gives us another part of what this looks like for us to walk, for, for you to walk wisely with God. And that's simply this. Look with me in verse 16. He says, redeeming the time. Why? Why, why, why should you redeem the time? Well, the Bible says very clearly because the days are evil. And we say, well, what do you mean of that? Well, I think ultimately, if we were to summarize it, we would say it like this. Make the most of every opportunity you've been given for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that may look different for each one of our lives. That may look different for, 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 for one woman than, than another. Uh, uh, but, but in the end of the day, the, the reality is still the same for every single woman who is who is in Christ, who belongs to Christ, that is that you are called to realize that, that you are to make every, uh, take every opportunity and make every opportunity in submission to Christ, to take every opportunity and make it, make it serve the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, in your words, in the way you live your life, making the most of every opportunity for the glory of God, for the sake of the, sake of the gospel, for the sake of those who see you walk, those, those who see you walk in, in this life, that Christ would be exalted. And I think there's a, there's a third part of this, of walking with God, and that is simply this, and it's found in verses 17 through 21, and that is that you and I understand and do the Lord's will. And from here, Paul's going to list, Paul sort of rapid-fired lists, uh, not just for women, but for all Christians, what we should be seeking. So, not to be intoxicated in verse 18. In other words, not to be drunks. Uh, not uh, to be filled with the Spirit. To live a life, uh, verse 18, to live a life filled with worship in verse 19. Live in thanksgiving and live with reverence for Christ in verse 21. So ladies, here's my challenge for, for you. As, as you live in this life, as you walk through this life, as you go through this life, if you want to make an impact in, in, in your life and in the lives of others, right? In, just in general, in this world, 
Do not conform to what this world tells you is beautiful. Conform to what God has said in his word is beautiful. Do not try to live your life because I, I've, I, have, I have heard so many women, even young, young women and even older women, who, who get into their 40s and their 50s and all of a sudden, like, I've missed out on so much. No, you've been kept back from so much evil. You don't even know and understand what God has kept you from. You're not missing out on anything. You've been given much and blessed with much. You've been kept back from much evil and protected in ways that perhaps you don't even understand. And so, ladies, live lives that are not intoxicated on on alcohol, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Live a life of worship. Live in thanksgiving. Live with reverence for Christ as you live your life, as you go about your day for the glory of God in all things. Listen, ladies, your, your walk with Christ matters. And, and I, my prayer is that you would find your refreshment and your rest in your walk with Christ. Don't neglect your walk with Christ. Don't allow the world or your own flesh or anything else to crowd out your time with Christ. Make time. Make time for, for time with God. Reading his word, praying, seeking his face, doing all of these things for the glory of God. Men, we are called to encourage the women as sisters in our congregation to help them, to encourage them, to pray for them, to walk with them, to, to, to be men of God who encourage them to godliness and in holiness. We encourage their, their walks. We are, to, we are to pray for their walks and to encourage them in their walks. And God, is, I mean, let's just be honest We are going to all serve somebody. The question is, who are we going to serve? We all are going to serve somebody. Are we going to serve our our jobs? Are we going to serve our careers? Are we going to serve the world? Are we going to serve uh, fashion and models or whatever? Or are we going to serve Christ? Uh, Forgive me, but I think Bob Dylan, at least on this point, had it right when he sang the song called Gotta Serve Somebody. He's right. I don't like a lot of Bob Dylan songs, but I think he was right on this one. You gotta serve somebody. And so who are we going to serve? Are you going to serve Christ? Are you going to serve for the glory of God, or will you serve the nation's appetites and the appetites of your own body and your own soul? But God not only calls you, Christian women, to walk with God, but for those of you who are married, I I do think we do need to make this point because the text makes this point. And I don't want to belabor this point because we've, we've pretty much covered this, but I do think it does bear out us covering again just for the sake of repetition and encouragement. And that is, ladies, if you have a husband, love your husband. Love your husband. God has given you as a wife great responsibility to submit to your husband, placed under his authority, right? Being protected, being watched over, right? Not being treated as, a, as an object, right? But, but being protected and watched over, right? Being, being, being a servant 
of, of your family, being a servant of your, of your husband and allowing your husband to serve you as well, right? And, and I think that, that Paul, as you read this passage, Paul actually does something amazing. He grounds this relationship of husband and wife where? In Christ and the church. And he says, wives, if you want to know how you are to love your husband, look at how the church loves Christ. And husbands, if you want to know how to love your wife, look, husbands, to Christ and see how he loves the church. And so in John 5.30, Jesus himself tells us that I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Ladies, let this be your your heart. Let this be your, your, your adornment of the gospel that, that as you hear Christ and his word speak, may you follow Christ, may you love Christ, may you serve Christ. Or as Paul would, the Spirit would empower Paul to write in 1 Corinthians eleven three, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. We are called to submit our lives, surrendering our lives to the glory of God for the sake of Christ, that the gospel can be adorned and be shown to be the beauty that it is. Right? doesn't mean that, that any one of us are, are infallible, right? We all make mistakes. It doesn't mean that the wife can't think or be productive on her own, right? Proverbs 31, I think, is very clear on this point, right? But it does mean that that, that we are called to, to love one another in that relationship the way Christ and the church love one another. And it's interesting because when we think of, when we think of this, I think we have, to, we have to think of submission in the sense of, of, of a military term, right? It's, it, it's structured in that sense that literally means to arrange oneself in a rank under, right? And, 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 and this happens in, in any organization or in any relationship, there, there has to be a plan for function and order. And God has so labeled this or has so designed this that this is the case for the, for the relationship with the husband and the wife. As First Peter, as, as, as our brother read for us a couple of weeks ago, I think about two or three weeks ago, when he preached on First Peter, I think it's important for us to, to uh, as Vince covered this, I think it's important for us to remember that husbands, we are to live with our wives in a way that is, that is, that is, that is, um, uh, respectful of her, understanding of her, and 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 is not uh, that is not harsh. And ladies are are called to place their hope in Christ and to adorn themselves by uh, in submission and humility to Christ. So, as a matter of fact, let's go ahead and let's flip over there. I want to read that passage to you, or a passage out of First Peter. Let's go to First Peter chapter chapter three because I want to read this to you. First Peter chapter three. Listen to what it says here. Peter, right, the, the, uh, the, uh, the Apostle Peter writing by the power of the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says here in 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be, wo- be won by the conversation of the wives or the, the behavior of the wives. While they behold your chaste or, or respectful or pure conversation coupled with fear, or literally respect, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of, of painting or of, of uh, uh, braiding the hair or, or of wearing of gold or putting on uh, 
apparel, on of apparel, or literally elaborate dressing, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of, in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. <clears throat> Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are as, king, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, so let, let me just say that. So the point of, of, of the passage I just read isn't to say you need to call your husbands Lord. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not the point. But it certainly does show respect and to the authority that God has placed under or over us uh, and that we are called to to make much of of Christ in all areas of our lives because ultimately it's not even that we are called to place ourselves under the authority of another but rather so much as it is that we are called to ultimately place ourselves under the authority of Christ of God the Father and as a result then as a result then Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Honor the Lord in your relationships. Because wives, and I know this is, this, this is an amazing picture, but wives, you are a picture of the church to the world. You are a picture of the church to the world. And husbands, you are a picture of Christ to the world. And so we are called to love and honor one another. We are called to, to love and to honor and, to, and to, to make much of one another in our relationships. Because at the end of the day, wives, if God gives you children, ultimately, God has called you then to raise godly children and to model godly marriage. If you want, to, if you want your daughter or your son to marry a godly man or woman, the best thing you and I can do is to model what a godly man and woman looks like. There's an old saying that says, marriages may be made in heaven, but they have to be worked out on earth. <laughs> I, think, I think we all get the, the, that, right? Marriages may in fact be made in heaven, but they have to be worked out on earth. And that's not always easy, right? So in application, I, th I think it's important for us that that ladies, let me encourage you as, as godly women, if you are wives, co-labor with your husband. Honor Christ through your relationship with him. Challenge him. Counsel him. Help him. Be his crown that brings honor to him by, by, by honoring Christ. Stand up to him when he doesn't honor Christ. I think it's important that all of us understand that our marriages are a picture of the gospel. First and foremost, if we have children, to our children. To our children. As God's sons, as God's daughters, we are called to show Christ to our, to, and the church to our family. Don't find your worth or your value in, in your husband or in your wife, men, but find your value in Christ. Find your, find your value in Christ and honor Christ. 
And I think lastly, in verses 1 through 3 of, of Ephesians here, moving on past that, let me encourage you, wives, if, if you have children, this, this is to you mothers, raise your children well. Raise your children well. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, as you look at verses 1 through 4 here in Ephesians chapter 6, it really is a, a, a quite a, uh, a stunning um, uh, encapsulation, if you will, of, of the, the parent-child relationship, right? It really is. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful, beautiful picture of what God has called us to as the family, to raise our children well, right? To raise our children well. And raising them well means that we need to teach them what it means to follow Jesus, so let's teach our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren or, or nieces and nephews and whoever else may be watching us. Let us teach them how to follow Jesus. You say, well, that's, that's big, right? Well, no, it, it is. Right? It's, it's the same as saying to a man, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Or to a woman, love your husband the way the church loves Christ. And this is huge, right? It's impossible apart from... It's impossible apart from the Holy Spirit working and moving in our lives. But raise your children well. And it means that we are called to show them what it means to follow Jesus. You say, but I fail. Good. I'm glad you know that. Own it. Repent when you repent. Confess it. When you, when you have sinned, confess it. We, we are not called to be a bunch of meatheads, men. They're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a man and I don't say I'm sorry. Oh, goodness, I'm sorry for you. You need to repent in front of your children when you mess up. Women, you need to repent in front of your children when you mess up. You need to make it clear. You need to apologize when you sin. You need to make it right. You need to confess. You need to honor Christ by saying, look, I didn't live toward God's standard, for God's standard in this moment in time. And I apologize to you, and I apologize to whomever else, and I repent before the Lord, and I ask for His forgiveness and yours. There's nothing weak or wrong in that. I've had to do it several times, many times. And we all must learn the same valuable lesson. Christian, how your children and my children are going to learn to ultimately follow Jesus is by watching us. It's amazing that sometimes you'll see a father and son or a father and child, particularly smaller children, you'll see them walking and you'll see their dad stepping and then ultimately, inevitably, you'll eventually see that child trying to mimic their father's footsteps, right? Because they want to mimic those footsteps. They want to walk in the same way that their father walks. Well, men, sisters, Brothers, we need to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. And raising them well not only means that children learn what it means to follow Jesus from our example, but it means that we, dis that we discipline and disciple our children. Now look, I don't know, other than the fact that our society has utterly lost its ever-loving mind, I don't know where parents thought that not disciplining our children was a good idea. But that's certainly not what the Bible says. Now, I'm, not, I'm not obviously not arguing that you need, to, you need to beat your child with a stick or something silly like that. 
But disciplining our children is important. Matter of fact, I would say that much of what we see in our society, obviously, going back to us forgetting the gospel, forgetting the word of God, is that parents have stopped disciplining their children and discipling their children. Actually, I would say they, have, they are discipling their children in the way that they are teaching them what not to do or what to do based upon their lives. And that's why a, a, a kindergartner or a preschooler can walk into school and their goal can be, today I'm not going to say the big, bad, big word, right? Well, my goodness, that's insane. It's one of the reasons why our children are not in public school. But I, I would say to you that, that as believers in Christ, we need to discipline our children fairly and honorably, right? Because that's what the Bible says here. Do not provoke your children to anger. In other words, don't mistreat them. Don't discriminate against them. Don't, don't, uh, don't create bitterness and anger and nurture that in them, right, by mistreating them. But disciplining our children positively, bringing them up, as the Bible says, in the, in, the, in the admonition and the discipline of the Lord. Guide your children into what is correct. Give them a firm basis for making wise decisions in their lives by teaching them the word. And instructing your children in the faith is what the Bible says, ladies, you are called to, to train and to teach the coming generations in ways that, 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 that are far even beyond, I think, our comprehension. The Word of God. To disciple them in the truth of the Word of God. To teach them their need for the gospel. To teach them how to pray. Susanna Wesley uh, was uh, the, um, uh, I think was the mother of John Wesley, uh, John and Charles Wesley, she said this, the parent who studies to subdue self-will in his child works together with God in the renewing and the saving of a soul. The parent who indulges self-will in the child does the devil's work, making religion impractical, salvation unattainable, and does all that in him lies to damn his child's soul and body forever. We, need, we are called to discipline and disciple our children in the word of God. Women, and in this moment, I would call you to remember that you are called to be women of integrity, women who live for the glory of God, to raise children for the glory of God if you've been given that, that blessing, not to, be, not to be anything less than living as the son of Sarah, not the, son, not the, the, the daughter of Sarah, not the daughter of Eve. We are all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve after the flesh, but let us be sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah by faith, as Galatians 4 tells us. We are not called to be part of the slave woman again, but we are called to be part of, of, of uh, the freed woman. And so we are called, you are called to be daughters of Sarah, daughters of faith, daughters who love Christ, Daughters who proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in every relationship that God has given you and blessed you with. May we seek to do that. May you seek to do that. May, may I seek to encourage that, not just in my wife, but also in all women as your pastor, that I would encourage you and your husbands to seek after this for the sake of the gospel and for the cause of Christ. Let's pray. Father, 
Your word has been given to us in the text, and though there is still much that could be said, we pray that you would give us wisdom, wisdom in promoting godliness in every area of life, but foundationally and fundamentally within the family unit. As we've labored at this point for, so, for, for a few weeks now, Father, our prayer is that as we labor on for just a few more weeks, that, that Christ would be glorified in us, that we would see the family as foundational to what you have called us to be and to do. God, be glorified, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> 